Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, and we pray for uh, new hope, Lord. We ask, Father, that you be in the heart and the mind of the judge uh, who's deliberating this case, Father, and uh, all things are in your hands, Lord, whether good or bad, whether, whether you direct him in, in the right way, Lord, or you allow him to make his own decision for your purposes, Lord, we're, we're trusting in you, Father, but we do cover this in prayer, Lord, and we, um, we have, we have uh, agony in our hearts, Lord, over the wickedness um, within our nation, Father, uh, of, of infanticide. Uh, Lord, that that has become a thing is, 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 uh, is shocking and appalling and, and enraging. And uh, Lord, we do not have the answers, Lord. But we understand we're not going to legislate darkness out of our country at this point. Lord, we, don't, we know that's not the way. Uh, Lord, we ask and pray, Father, that your, your will would be done. That you'd give us, um, Lord, the correct mind and hearts of Christ to just continue to cover these folks in, in prayer, uh, Lord, and, and to go out into our world with love and compassion and grace, Lord, and truth, um, Lord, because people's hearts need to be changed. And not our laws, Lord, the, the hearts need to be changed. And Father, give us as many, we pray, Lord, as, as, as are yours to give us, Lord, that you would have us to minister to, Lord, but please... Uh, Lord, we do pray, Father. Uh, we do pray for new hope, Lord, that they would um, be protected, Father, that you'd put a hedge of protection around them, Lord, and not allow the enemy, uh, Lord, a foothold to, to break down, Lord, what it is that they're doing. Lord, and we pray that you would, um, Lord, get into our culture and, 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 Lord, allow awareness to be raised to such a level that Lord, young women who find themselves in, in a difficult situation of, uh, of being pregnant, Lord, and, and unwed or, uh, or unplanned, or whatever the situation is, Lord, that, that you would help them, Lord, to see with your eyes that that is a human being, that is a life uh, that you've given them, Lord, by whatever situation, Lord, that's not what's important. What's important is life, Father, and help them to, to see that for themselves, Lord. Help the youth of our nation to become disgusted um, with, with the older generation that, Lord, that would allow such a thing, that would even suggest such a thing, Lord. Open their eyes. Lord, there's millennials and these youth that we like to poke fun at, Lord, um, raise for up from within them, Lord, leaders. Lord, strengthen them and inhabit their hearts and lives, Father, and help them to make change in their homes and in their schools and in their communities, Lord. Lord, help us to just forget about all of our own baggage and all the ways that we think things ought to be done or ought to happen and help us to just be ready, willing, and able to serve and to love and to pray and to encourage, Lord, and to speak always the truth seasoned and sprinkled with grace and mercy and love. Um, Lord, have your way, Lord, and help us to have spiritual minds and hearts, Lord, to see this from your perspective and to have our hearts broken, Father, for the sake of those who are lost and those who are perishing. Use us and, um, and your will be done, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Boy, it ain't easy, is it? Living in, in, in this day and age, there's so, so many you know, wonderful things, and we, we talk about the things like you know, the fact that anybody could literally be a Bible scholar. You know, I mean, you, you know, remember, you know, back to the, the days uh, before the computers and all this stuff. And in order to, to really, you know, really know God's word, 
um, you had to seek it out. You, really, you had to seek it out. You know, these, these, these old uh, theologians and, and Bible scholars and, and preachers of, of old, I mean, the, the volumes uh, of writings, you know, along with the scriptures that they studied and, uh, and, and, and really dedicated their lives to, to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. And we can literally do it with Google. I mean, I don't know, if, and maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm like over-impressed. But I mean, I, I literally, I can prepare a message from my stupid phone. Because I can literally look up anything and read anything. Any, any document that I want to read, that I want to search out and find, it's there. And I can read it, and I can just, just sit there and, wow, that's a wow. And it's, it's amazing, and we have it. And, and instead, you know what I mean? What we use this thing for. Ain't that just like us, you know? That's just how human, human beings are. But at the same time, and, you know, to, to live in such a time as this where, you know, man, morally we've gotten to this place uh, that we're at. Um, keep your head up. Keep your chin up. Do not let the enemy discourage you. Because that's exactly what he wants to do. He'd love for your love to grow cold. Forget them then. They don't want, they, they hate Jesus and they hate babies. Let them go to hell. That's not the heart of Christ. That's our heart. You know, because we forget that we were bought with a, and purchased with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And what wretches we were and still are, you know. Uh, and we can forget that and start to look around and, <clears throat> with that judgment. It's so natural to, to our hearts, some of us maybe more than others. But we need to remember that that's not the heart of Christ. You know, this world now more than ever, it needs us to stand up. It needs us to stand and be counted. Absolutely. You know, yesterday was the day of mourning that they had. And I guess Barb said the turnout was so huge, they had to, the overflow was filled and everything. So we do need to stand up and be counted. We do need to be, to be willing to say, whoa, wait a second, no. You know, when everyone in the room is, and, 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 and understand too that our, our culture we have been conditioned within our culture, even us, but imagine the younger generations. We have been conditioned within our very culture to go along with what's politically correct, to go along with what the group is saying, you know, to go along with the common consensus, what everyone else is saying. We're, you know, we've been conditioned to be afraid to speak up against it. Because in this day and age, if you stand up and say, that's a bunch of horse manure, and I'm not going to go along with that. Oh, man. Ridiculed. Ostracized. They'll try to silence you. You know, the bakery thing in Colorado that continues to go on. You know, this guy's just trying to make cake. You know what I mean? This guy, he's just trying to live his life, you know, and make cake. He happens to be a Christian. And so, you know, a homosexual couple walks in and says, we want you to make us a wedding cake. And, and I really doubt that he was like, ah, God hates you and so do I. No cake for you, you know. I, I'm really sure that's not how it went down. I'm sure he was like, you know, let me explain to you that this is my faith and this is what I believe. And I have to adhere to what God's word says. And so I'm not able to do this. Uh, I can make you anything that you'd like. And I can help you in any way. I, I can't do this. And there's the attack. And, and, and they, they, you know, the first court case, they won. And now there's another lawsuit again. It's not going to stop. The guys, there's going to get shut down eventually. You know, this is, this is the tide that is against us. But this is what the scripture has prophesied. 
And yet I find myself listening to some of my talk radio programs going, time to get the muskets and the Patriot hats out, you know, and go to, you know, and uh, wait, wait a second. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'm just a sojourner. I'm just a pilgrim here. I'm just passing through. This is my missionary voyage from the cradle to the grave. And then I get home. Then I finally get home. Our job is not to get worked up, to be angry. And that's not what the world needs. That's not what the world needs. You know that scripture that talks about us being as, 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 as wise as a serpent and, and, and yet as gentle as a dove. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful for the day and age that we live in. You know, to have wisdom and cunning to, to be able to see what the adversary is doing and, and discern and decipher the wickedness of it. And yet at the same time, to have within us, within us, because of the love of Christ, the ability to just respond to this generation with the gentleness of a dove. You know, Pastor Bill Gallatin used to, when he preached, you know, I love Pastor Bill's preaching out of the word and talking about the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus, you know. He said, notice it didn't descend like an elephant, you know what I mean? Or a gavel or, or anything like that. It descended as a dove and alighted upon him. You know, Jesus talking about, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly of heart and take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's just this beautiful freedom that we have in Christ Jesus that we ought to be... Um, it ought to, 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 to make within us a feeling of wanting to see other people free. Experience that freedom. You know what I'm saying? If you walk past a place where, where, where people were, were trapped behind some barrier, and, you're the, and they had no way of breaking themselves free from that barrier, and you had a way, and you had the implements to break them free, and they were going to die, they're going to be eaten by some beast... And you had the implements to break free. Imagine yourself walking by and going, look at you. You make me sick. Got yourself trapped in there. Wait till the beast gets you. That's what you deserve. That's what we're doing. You know, obviously you can look at that situation and you'd go, you'd be like, blah, listen, take this, use this, and let me get you out of here. You would want them to be free and you'd be frantic over it. You know, that's the heart that I believe that Jesus wants us to have. You know, as he was looking, looking around and seeing people as lost sheep without a shepherd. You know, just that compassion that he had. He was moved with compassion towards the people. And imagine poor Jesus being able to read everyone's thoughts. Imagine what he saw, right? Because when Jesus says, uh, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. But I tell you, if you hate your brother, there's murder in your heart. Jesus could see the murder, Jesus could see what every single human being was capable of and what their thought life was. You wonder what he was writing in the sand when they brought the woman caught in the very act of adultery and they said that she ought to be stoned. What do you say? And he began to write in the sand. You wonder what he was writing? I wonder. Just writing down what I see. I mean, who knows? We don't know. And yet knowing, looking at Peter and seeing the disgusting thoughts in his head, and in his heart, and loving him, and not only loving him, saying, your name is Peter, I'm going to use you, Peter, you're going to be the one to feed my sheep, to feed my flock, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, the compassion, you know, we are, we are totally underwhelmed by who Jesus is, and by what he's accomplished, and what he's done, 
And we can get distracted on so many things. Remember Mary and Martha? And, and, and you know, Martha is, is, you know, busy. She's doing the work. You know, Mary's just like, Jesus, you know? <laughs> you know, just Jesus. Like a little puppy, you know what I mean? Jesus, and she just want to, just be next to Jesus. And Martha's over here getting dinner ready and doing all the work. And there's Mary at the feet of Jesus again, just looking at him. And she gets upset. Lord, tell her to help me. Remember Jesus, Martha, 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 you worry about many things. (laughs) But your sister Mary has chosen what is best. Just to sit at the feet of Jesus. And to contemplate who he is and what he's done. His love towards us. You, you just can't seek it out and search it out enough. You know, when we talk about the fact that we can be Bible scholars on Google and stuff like that, remember the whole purpose of it is not to gain knowledge. The Bible says knowledge puffs up, right? Knowledge puffs up. That's all it can do is puff you out. You know what I mean? Walk around, oh, look, here comes brains. You know what I mean? Somebody head for Z Hills, you know? You know, you've heard people say that people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. You know, that's true. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And the purpose of your studying the scriptures and seeking out the deeper truths and things and meanings of God's word is that you might see him more clearly. That every single time you're studying about the tabernacle and you're reading about the different things and you go to your commentaries, you're reading it and you see that it's a picture of this and it's a picture of this and you're just going, wow, wow. And it drives you to worship. It just drives you into his presence to say, Lord, what manner of love is this? Amazing. So with that being said, we are in uh, Exodus chapter 26. Got some verses to cover. Exodus chapter 26. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine woven linen, a blue, purple, and scarlet thread, with artistic designs of cherubim. You shall weave them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits, and the width of each curtain four cubits. And every one of the curtains shall have the same measurements. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another, and the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue yarn on the edge of the curtain on the uh, selvage of one set. And likewise, you shall do on the outer edge of the other curtain of the second set. Fifty loops you shall make in the one curtain, and fifty loops you shall make on the edge of the curtain that is on the end of the second set, that the loops may be clasped to one another. And you shall make fifty clasps of gold, and couple the curtains together with the clasps, so that it may be one tabernacle. Now, we're, we're not talking about, remember, this is, this is not the curtain uh, separating the holy place from the most holy place. This is the actual tabernacle itself, the covering for the actual tabernacle. And Dad is going to pick up in second ver- service uh, the framework of the tabernacle and, and how it was set up. And, and this is just, as, who, nobody knows. You know what I mean? Like nobody, nobody has an exact representation. I just threw this up there kind of to have just an idea um, of the layout and, and, and approximately what it may have looked like. 
Um, but as for these curtains, okay, this is the first curtain that is going over the framework of the tabernacle. This is what you would see on the inside of the tabernacle. You would look up and you would see these, you would see these curtains, this finely and intricately woven curtain with cherubim and all of these ornate design and this beautiful blue thread and, the, and, the, and you got the gold and clasp and all this stuff. This is, this is the beautiful curtain, okay? And it's the inner curtain. It's what you would see from inside. Now, let's move on. Verse 7 you shall also make curtains of goat's hair. Well, that's a departure. You know what I mean? What would you want to wear today? Well, I'm, I'm, for my shirt, I'm going to wear, it's blue woven linen, whatever. And it's got chair. I mean, and it, what are you wearing for pants? Goat hair. Just goat hair. What? That doesn't really go together, you know? You shall also make curtains of goat's hair to be a tent over the tabernacle. And you shall make 11 Curtains. So that's one more curtain than the, um, the ornate curtains. The length of each curtain shall be 30 cubits, and the width of each curtain, 4 cubits. And the 11 curtains shall all have the same measurements. And you shall couple five curtains by themselves, and six curtains by themselves. And you shall double over the sixth curtain at the forefront of the tent. You shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in one set and 50 loops on the edge of the curtain of the second set. And you shall make 50 bronze clasps, put the clasps into the loops and couple the tent together that it may be one. The remnant that remains of the curtains of the tent, the half curtain that remains, shall hang over the back of the tabernacle, and a cubit on one side, and a cubit on the other side, of what remains of the length of the curtains of the tent, shall hang over the sides of the tabernacle on this side, and on that side, to cover it. Okay, so let me simplify this a little bit, because you're reading that and you're like, what in the... <laughs> you got ten linen curtains that are, a cubit, remember, is, is, is approximately 18 inches, okay? Uh, it's, the, it's the length from the elbow to the, 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 the middle finger uh, on, a, on a man's arm. And that varies, don't it? <laughs> you know, whether it's my stubby little arm or one of you tall guys, uh, it's going to make a little bit of a difference. But scholars agree approximately 18 inches. So the 10 linen curtains would each be 42 feet long by 6 feet wide. And the goat hair curtains, which there are 11 of, would each be approximately 45 feet tall and 6 feet wide. And these are what covered the framework of the tabernacle. Now, on the inside, okay, and it's interesting when we're talking about uh, all the articles of the tabernacle, we start at the innermost place. What was the first thing that we talked about? What's the first item that God lists to Moses? The Ark of Testimony, right? And from that point in time, we move outward, okay? So we're going to start in the holiest of holies with the thing, the Ark of Testimony, the, the most amazing, if you could find one archaeologist, you've seen, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? And you watch that movie as a, and maybe this is just me, okay? You, uh, when I watch that, and I know it's all Hollywood fake and stuff like that, but I'm like, I, you know, the music and stuff. And I'm like, oh, the ark, you know. I, I, I would love, 
I would love to see the ark, you know. In fact, before church, when we were practicing, we were the worship team and I, we were having a, a, a deep theological uh, discussion and Bible study about if you had a time machine and you could go back to there, and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, right, in 2019, so you're covered in the grace and mercy of Jesus by his blood. Could you walk into the holy place, do you think? You think you'd be, like, struck down as they were, as they would be? Well, I think you could walk right into the holy place and go check the ark out, man. And imagine how freaked out the people would be. <laughs> you know, they'd be like, it's an angel. <laughs> like, well, you're close, you know. No. Uh, and thank God for Elder Doug Fuller who walks down and he goes, quit it. Quit your daydreaming. Anyway, so from inside the temple, or excuse me, the tabernacle, we're working our way out. Now, when God begins to describe the priesthood to Moses, we're going to work all the way from the outside all the way in. Okay? So when we're dealing with the tabernacle, which is a copy of that which is in heaven, we're God dealing with the people, we're dealing from going from the holy place out all the way to the people. And then when we're talking about the priesthood, we're going to go from without all the way to the most holy place. Okay? Beautiful, man. It's just beautiful stuff. It's not by accident. Everything is laid out. I mean, uh, you know, uh, rabbis say that when Messiah comes... And I say, again, you mean, <laughs> um, that he's going to not only uh, make us and help us to understand what the Torah says, but also the spaces in between the words, what they mean. You remember the whole Bible codes thing when that was big a while back. And there was some pretty amazing stuff that was, that was there. Missler, remember Chuck Missler sharing some amazing stuff. The, the, when you, I don't know if you guys remember Itzhak, Prime Minister Itzhak Rabin. He was a prime minister of Israel, and he was like doing a, like, a, like a yard sale, like a house sale, giving away the land, right? And remember what God said. Whose land is it? That's my land. That's my land. You don't give it away. You don't negotiate it away. That's my land. And he was all, every, anything for peace. And Mr. was telling us that, uh, you guys remember, he was assassinated. And he was shot twice. He was shot twice. And that morning... The scripture reading that was read from, from uh, uh, the high priest that morning, uh, when you went through and did the, the, the Bible codes deal, going in the spaces of the words and all that stuff, the code that you came up with was fire, fire twice into evil Rabin. So, and we were, I remember, like, whoa, you know. And, and it, here's the thing with that kind of stuff it's fun to look into some of the stuff, the Nephilim, like things like this. Don't go too deep. Okay, we don't go beyond what scripture tells us, right? And God has given us what he needs us to know. He didn't give us the Bible and say, all right, Frank, now you go figure out what it really means. No, no, here's what it is. Here's what I've given you, right? Here's what, here's what I've given you to deal with. And what do we, it blows my mind how, how, how people can get so caught up and go into all these crazy things when God is laying out for the children of Israel the worship of him and the setup of the tabernacle. Do you think he was a little bit specific? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and do you think that he was cool with adding anything or subtracting anything from any of the articles or items or implements or acts of worship that he prescribed? 
He accepted nothing less than exactly what he gave them. And we're a book away from Aaron's sons going, let's add a little something extra to the incense to make it smell extra nice. And it don't go too good. Now, Jesus Christ, remember this, Christian. He says, I've not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. Until heaven and earth, or in fact, heaven and earth may pass away, but these words of mine will never pass away. And not one yacht or tittle, he said, that's not one cross of a T or dot of an I, will be subtracted from the law until all things are fulfilled. Okay? So, no, we're not under the law, thank God. Right? It had been smoked out long ago. But we're not under the law, but the law remains, and it's as true as it ever was, right? What we know about Jesus Christ is the problem with the law ain't the law. The law is righteous, holy, and true. You know what the problem is? Me! Because I can't even start to live up to it. So Jesus Christ, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, right? He is our tabernacle. He is our sacrifice. He is our high priest. But these things that God spoke have not changed. They have not changed. Okay? And so when God talks about the prescribed way to worship him, I don't think that then we as Christians can just go off in all these crazy different directions and think that that's pleasing to God. Right? I mean, worship God in the prescribed way and what the Scripture says we we hold to. We want to adhere to what the Bible says about the way in which we are called and required to worship God. And to worship Him with a reverent and holy fear, right? Not because of what He might do to us. It's not like that for us anymore. We worship Him with a reverent and holy fear because of what He did for us. And part of that studying and part of that, of that drawing close to him is just that awe-inspiring wonder of who he is. And man, you don't want to step outside. I don't want to step off the reservation. I just want to do what God's called me to do, you know? And, 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 it's, and it's, so, it's fun and it's, it's to have all these discussions and what about this and what about this? And it might have been this, that might have been that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's the, that's the, that's the after dinner mints, man, right? That's all that is. You can't make a meal out of after dinner mints. And if you make meals out of after dinner mints, you're not going to be, you're not going to do too well. Okay. Anyway, a little off course there. Now, so we have the inner curtains, okay, over the framework of the tabernacle, which is this fine linen, okay, with the gold clasp and the ornate artwork. And then over the top of that, we have the goat hair, all right? And it talks about the, the length of that. Now, um, when we get down to verse 14, which is where we're going to stop, you shall also make a covering of ram skins dyed red for the tent and a covering of badger skins above that. Interesting. So you've got your fine linen, then you've got your goat's hair, then you've got your ram skins dyed red, and then you've got your badger skins. So I just want to kind of get into that with some Bible verses and, and, and some backup information, um, hopefully that you guys will find edifying.
Now, of course, we know in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, uh, that Paul writes to the church in Corinth, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? And, and I love that portion of Scripture in 1 Samuel. Remember when Samuel is sent to the house of Jesse to anoint one of his sons as king. And what does Jesse automatically do? The, he goes to the biggest, the bravest, the brightest, the, 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 the oldest brother. Here's the first. Here's the preeminent. Jesse brings him the first son. And he goes to him and God says, he ain't the one. And, and, there, and there's this whole thing that takes place where God takes Samuel and Jesse, because Jesse just brings the next oldest one. You know, you know, the oldest one, he's like, well, I don't know what you've been doing, but apparently God can't use you. So he goes to the next one, brings him in. God says, no. Bless you. So he brings in the next one all the way down the line. He doesn't even try to bring in David. He's, don't you have any more? You got to, I mean, what are we going to do? God anoint the turtle. I mean, what are we going to do here? He's out of stuff. You got any more? Well, I got one, the baby. I mean, he's out with the sheep. That's what he's good for. He's out with the sheep, you know. He's pretty good at it, you know. Kill the bear, you know. Kill the lion, but that's all he does. Bring him in. Bring him in. And remember, he brings him in. Remember what God was saying to Samuel. Do not look at the outward. For man looks at the outward appearance. But what? God looks within. God sees what's going on in your heart. This is what put Jesus Christ at odds with the religious leaders of his day. Because all that they dealt with was the outward. The appearance of keeping the law and the ceremonies, the hand washings, the requirements, all of the traditions of the elders. It was all what people could see. It's all an act. It's all a show. And that's what Jesus was. That's why they hated him because they knew that he knew. You guys, you guys are like whitewashed tombstones, aren't you? Can you imagine? You're one of these religious leaders, you're one of these Pharisees, and you walk around, you're better. You're just better than everyone else. And here comes this wild-eyed Galilean, right? Here comes this wild-eyed kid from Nazareth, dad was a carpenter, comes up and goes, you're like, you're like a whitewashed tombstone, guys, a sepulcher. On the outside, it's bright and white and clean, and the inside's full of dead men's bones. <laughs> you're, like, you're like a cup that's ornate and washed clean and sparkles on the outside, and the inside is full of abomination. Wow. And so when Jesus taught the people, understand, guys, understand, here's what the law says, but God is always looking to deal with your heart. He doesn't need your, 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 your outward manifestations of being a, a faithful person or a holy person or a righteous person. He needs your heart. I mean, heaven's sakes, David's the perfect example of that. What a maniac this guy is, right? He's crazy. You know, David's a, he's a, I mean, he couldn't build a temple because God said, you're a man of blood. I can't even use you to build the temple. You know, I love the portion when he's in the, in the land of the Philistines. Remember, and he acted crazy, foamed at the mouth and stuff. Like, he was a wild man. It's just like, Ugh. and yet God says, here's a man after my own heart. Because as crazy and wild as he is, and as big, huge, massive, unbelievably ridiculous mistakes that he makes, he always is seeking after my heart and allowing me to deal with his. That's what God seeks after. So, 
um, um, 1 Corinthians talks about us being a temple, our body, right, being the temple of, of the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, speaking of Jesus, it says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Now, we are, we are supposed to be temples of the Holy Ghost, right? Jesus Christ is our perfect example that we would walk in his steps. He was the ultimate example of what a human body being a tabernacle for God looks like. At the center of who Christ was, was just the holiest place. And the ark of testimony spiritually resided in him. And from that place in his spirit emanated everything that Jesus was. But what does it say about his outward appearance? He had no form or comeliness. That means he wasn't a good-looking dude. You couldn't tell one from the other. Judas had to kiss him so that they could differentiate Jesus from the rest of the guys. He was just an average-looking dude. There was nothing about Jesus. You, if you were standing up here speaking to a crowd and he was in the crowd, he would not be the one that would stick out to you. If someone came up to you and said, that's the one, you'd be like, him? That's the whole point. You understand? Even with Jesus Christ's physical appearance, God was reestablishing the covenant of the tabernacle. Okay? Now, um, <clears throat> Hebrews 9, 1 and 11 says, Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service, and the earthly sanctuary. Verse 11, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is, not of this creation. And that is the tabernacle of a life set apart by Jesus' blood for the service of God. That's you and that's I. That's why he says we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Okay? Um, now, uh, we have the inner curtain, which is your priestly royal uh, decorations, the colors, the, 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 uh, the design on it, everything, with the gold clasps. This is your royal and your priestly garments. You know, the, the ornate, the beauty of it, the, the, just the, the fine artwork that went into the creation of it. Then... Um, of course, we know that Jesus Christ is our high priest and our king. And then on the outside of that, you had this, this uh, goat's hair, this covering of goat's hair. And I thought this was an interesting um, portion of Scripture in Leviticus chapter 16, uh, verses 6 through 10. I love this stuff. Leviticus chapter 16 is putting Aaron and his sons, uh, consecrating them into the priesthood. Okay, now, now I want us to read this. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats um, and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. And so these two goats would be chosen and there would be two of them. Okay, you only need one of Jesus because he's God, 
right? But these, this picture of Christ, you had to have two goats, right? Because goats don't rise from the dead, okay? So you have the two goats, and they would cast lots. And the lot to which the, uh, the, whatever goat the lot fell to, they would take that goat, they would put their hands on him, that goat would be the goat that would, would, be, would be slain, would be put to death, would be sacrificed for the sin of the people, Okay, and they would sacrifice that goat and then the other goat, they would lay their hands on it and it would be released into the wilderness, set free alive, bearing the sins of the people. Okay, I wonder what they were trying to tell us. Who does that sound like to you? Jesus Christ, of course, in his one person was able to do both. Right. Get you a God who can do both. Right. So he was the sacrifice and he also is our scapegoat. He also was our scapegoat, took all of our sins, all of our burdens upon him. And, of course, he lives forever to make intercession on our behalf. Now, um, in, in, uh, that's Leviticus 16. The consecration of Aaron and his sons, uh, I made a mistake, is Leviticus chapter 8. Okay? And I'm just going to, because we're out of time, so I'm just going to kind of break it down for you like this. First, in the consecration of Aaron and his sons, there was a bull that was offered. Okay, much like in 16, for the sin offering. Okay, there was a bull that was offered as a sin offering. And then after that, because um, we have the royal priestly covers, right, the curtains. Then we have the, the goat's hair, right? And remember what's after that? Ram skin dyed red. Okay, now when Aaron's being consecrated into the priesthood with his sons, a bull is first sacrificed for their sins. And then after that, two rams, two rams. The first ram is for a burnt offering. Now that would be more like a fellowship offering, okay? The sin's been atoned for. Now this is just a sacrifice that's a pleasing, and it talks about it being this pleasing aroma. God loves the smell of barbecue, you know, Chuck Smith used to say. But this is now the fellowship, like a fellowship offering. This burnt offering, you had your, your, the bull given for the offering for sin, atonement, and now you have this burnt offering of this ram that's burnt and, 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 and the aroma of it lifted up to heaven. And then a second ram that's sacrificed for consecration into God's service. And that's the portion of Scripture where it talks about Moses taking his finger, dipping it in the ram's blood, and remember putting it on Aaron's right thumb, his right toe, and his ear, consecrating him into the service of God. So we have these rams that are used for establishing fellowship with God, and then Aaron's and his son's consecration into the service of God. Okay? Now, I'm sure there's a hundred other things that you know, I couldn't find and that God's going to explain to us better someday. But I love when you look at this and you see the way the temple or the tabernacle is laid out from the inside. What do you see? These priestly robes, these, these royal robes, these beautiful curtains of ornate design and color. And when you're standing without, what do you see? Well, the last thing you see is badger skin. And I just want to read you one thing um, about the badger skin because... It's, 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 a, it's a tough one because we don't even know if that's the, if that's the correct translation, if it's actually badger skins. Uh, it's, it's more correctly translation, tr translated sea cow. Uh, and a lot of people think it was actually uh, like porpoise, porpoise skin. Okay? There is much obscurity as to the meaning of the word takash rendered badger in the authorized version. 
The ancient versions seem nearly all agreed that it denotes not an animal, but a color, either black or sky blue. The badger is not found in the Bible lands. The Arab dukash or tufkash denotes a dolphin, including seals and cetaceans, which I don't even know what a cetacean is. Anybody smart in here? I don't know what a cetacean Some sort of sea beast, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Um, what'd you say, bro? Did you know? Whale. It's a whale. Okay, there's your sea cow. Right. That's what they call me when I'm at the ocean. <laughs> Look, mommy, a sea cow. It's hurtful. Anyway, the skins referred to are probably those of these marine animals, some of which are found in the Red Sea. So that would make sense. The skin of the halicor, one of these, from its hardness, would be well suited for making soles for shoes. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 10, now listen to me, because I'm just getting preparing for the message, and I stumble across, upon Ezekiel chapter 16. Write this down. Right now. Write this down. Put it in your phone. Write it in your Bible. <laughs> Read Ezekiel chapter 16. Read Ezekiel chapter 16 when you get home. Um, the first part, when God is talking about his betrothal to Jerusalem. And, and it is so beautiful. But in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 10, it says this. I clothed you in embroidered cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin. So, um, for whatever reason, and what, what they're saying is, the soles of shoes, they would use these skins because they were best suited because they were tough. Okay? They were tough. They were, they were durable, and so they would use them for the soles of shoes. God tells Jerusalem, I gave you so, the, the, the sandals made of badger skin. It's the same word there. So whatever. Take that for what you want it, want it to be. It's just free information. Okay. That's it. That's all I got, guys. You know what I mean? What do you want from me? It's curtains. It's rings. <laughs> you know? It's, it's, I, 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 I just love, though, I love the correlations. I love that you can, in your mind, you can close your eyes or look at a picture like this and you can see the inside to the outside of the tabernacle. And on the outside, all you see is this badger skin or porpoise skin or cow skin, sea cow skin or whatever, right? And then underneath that, you got your ram skin dyed red. And under that, you got your goat's hair. I mean, it sounds like he's building a parka for the winter in Syracuse or something. And then under that, you've got this beautiful... Pre so if you were outside of the tabernacle, nothing, nothing fancy. I mean, it's not looking like anything fancy. And that's only if you got in the court. The walls on the outside were high enough so people couldn't see in. Okay? But once you entered into the courtyard and you got to look at the tabernacle... It's got nice, you know, curtains on the front, pretty decent, but yeah, what a big deal. And then when you walked in to the, to the tabernacle, and the only light when you close the curtains behind you would be completely dark except for the light that was given by the menorah. And there would be the altar of incense before the veil and the table of showbread. And you have the incense that the Bible refers to being the prayers of the saints. And you have the showbread on the, on, the, on the table, which is a picture for us of the body of Jesus Christ. And the menorah fed with oil, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, 
that brings light. And that's the only light inside the tabernacle. Is a light given by the oil. And then through that veil. And you know what's funny about that, guys? There's no light. Inside the Holy of Holies, there would be zero light. It would be so dark that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. But God said, my glory will be there. So when the high priest once a year would go into the holy place to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, the only light that would be present would be the light of God's presence. Imagine. God says, that's me and you. That's me and you. This, this earthly tabernacle that he gave to the children of Israel was for you and I just a picture of what he's seeking and desiring to do in each and every one of us. That we are the workmanship of God, workmanship of God created for good works in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. We are the temple of God. It's amazing. And, and, I, and, and Scripture talks about the fact that he puts this great gift, the gift of his Holy Spirit, within these earthen vessels, you know, cracked pots. You know what I mean? And he puts that within us because of the worthiness of who Jesus Christ is. You know, and that's, I'm convinced when Jesus is telling his disciples, you marvel at the miracles that I do, you're going to do greater miracles than these. You'll be able to say to this mountain, be removed from your place, and it'll be done. I'm convinced, you know, Jesus wasn't talking about them literally sliding mountains around, for heaven's sakes. I think that Jesus was talking about the salvation of a soul. That's a mountain being removed. That is just as flabbergasting of a miracle that, a, that an unholy vessel created, or, you know, remember the, the rabbis and the Pharisees taught that Gentiles, we were created to be fodder for the fuel that fed the fires of hell. And they weren't far off, you know. And that God would take us and he would say, no. But now, because of the blood of my son, you are to me a tabernacle. You are to me a dwelling place of the most holy order for my Holy Spirit to dwell in. Wow. And to be consecrated and put into the service of the king to do the work of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And is there a better segue to go into communion? Is there a better segue than to talk about Jesus Christ on the night that he's betrayed, sharing this Jewish festival, this Jewish high holy day with his disciples, and telling them, oh, how I've longed to share this table with you. And, and, and I'm sure they'd, he'd done uh, Passover Seder dinners with them before. So I wonder if at that point in time they were like, what are you talking about? We've done this a bunch of times, you know. What's special about this room, you know. And Jesus knew exactly what was about to take place as he took the Passover meal and he changed it and he made it something that connected heaven to earth. Finally, after thousands of years of celebrating Passover and the redemption of the children of Israel from earthly Egypt and bondage, Jesus Christ sits down at the table with his disciples and he touches heaven to earth as he changes the Passover meal into what we call the Lord's Supper, the communion between the church and Jesus Christ. 
wowzers. And Jesus said, this is for you. And as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me, right? Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus touched heaven and earth for you and I. Jesus is the ladder that Jacob saw that went between earth and heaven with the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. Jesus is that ladder for us, for you and I. And he said, when you celebrate this together, there's nothing, there's nothing superstitious and holy and, 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 and special about matzah. I mean, look at it. It's like a stale cracker. You know what I mean? You, peanut butter and jelly don't even taste good on it, I, I heard. It's just my, and it's, it's Welch's grape juice or whatever. This is the beauty, okay? The Bible says that God calls things uh, that are not as though they were. And, and this is why the spirit uh, and worshiping in spirit and truth, like Jesus said to the woman at the well, you know, you're like, oh, you know, you, you worship in Jerusalem, we worship, but the time is coming. When you worship neither here on the mountains in Samaria or in Jerusalem, but true worshipers of God will worship him in spirit and in truth. And he talked to her about the living water that he offered her. And so you and I can sit in this little nondescript, you know, place that we come and gather and worship in. And we can take this regular old juice and, 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 uh, and, and matzah bread and we can close our eyes and we can say, God, I give you all of who I am. The good, the bad, and the ugly belongs to you. Consecrate me into your service. Wash my sins away. Touch my unclean lips with the burning coal of your Holy Spirit and put me into your service. And give me true and real fellowship with you. And he shows up and does it. If you believe that in your heart, Jesus Christ is here today to share a meal with you. He just wants to break bread with you today. So come on up, guys, and let's, 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 let's share a meal with them.